Windsor, Ascot, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome everyone to this show, Let's Do Lunch. This is the show all about food and nutrition. I'm your host, Jenny Tishi. I am a nutritionist and also the author of several cookery books and an absolute foodie. And on the show, I invite a series of guests who are all related to the world of food in some way, shape or form. And today I am taking advantage of the fact that we are still during the Easter holidays. And I have invited uh, the lovely Arabella, who is local and school age, (laughs) and she's something of a local influencer. She's 15 years old and started her own Instagram account during the pandemic. She's also a celiac, which means she can't eat gluten in any form. She's also dairy intolerant, and you'll see on her Instagram page entirely gluten and dairy-free options, which she's created and look amazing. She's amassed a following of nearly 1,500 people and hopefully more after today. And uh, so I want to know, Arabella, how are you doing today? I am very well, thank you, Jenny. Um, apart from having COVID at home, that has put a slight downer on my Easter holidays. Apart from that, I'm trying to stay positive. You have managed to get it towards the end of the Easter holidays, which is quite yeah. carefully uh, planned. <laughs> I managed to go skiing in the first week, so I still managed to get my ski trip in. Good. Oh, wow. You see, that's timing. And I know, uh, Arabella, you were meant to be in the studio today and it is a disappointment that you can't be here. But, you know, we have the technology so we can bring you to the studio and hopefully on another occasion we'll be able to get you back in in here in person. So um, tell us, I'd love to know what inspired you to start your own Instagram account and put all these fantastic photos of all your wonderful foodie creations out there for everyone else to see. Um, well, so I had seen so many other people posting food and nutrition and fitness, and I was just so, I knew I wanted to do it, and I was just looking at them like, I really want to do that so badly, but people judging me, and I was like, what are my friends going to think? That was always stopping me massively, because I was like, what are other people going to think of me? But then as soon as I was like, I'm just going to do it, and my best friend said to me, I showed her some pictures I had taken of my food. She was like, boot, you have to start an Instagram account. I was like, now someone else is saying it too. That's just like confirmed it for me that I'm just going to do it. And then thinking of the name took forever. That that was like kind of like a big barrier for me. And I used it as an excuse to not start it for ages as well. But then one night I was just like, no, I'm just going to do it. Because at this point I could be, you know, making more content, reaching out to more people by the time I'm procrastinating about it. I could be actually doing something. So I was like, I'm just going to do it and not let people judge me because they're always going to judge you for something. That's so refreshing to hear. But I love the fact that one of your first thoughts, and I guess the point is social media is so widespread that all of your friends would have access to and probably pretty early days would see what you were doing. So you felt like you might be exposed. But you got that validation, didn't you, from your peers? And it's just continued. Mm. I I love, you know, 
what you've done with it. So the, you knew you wanted to start your own page because you'd seen others doing it. Now, obviously, you had something in your life that dictated the way that you ate, celiac disease. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you found out about it? Um, yeah, so when I was eight years old, I found out I had celiac disease. I was in A&E because I'd gone to A&E twice previously and I'd always have had atrocious stomach aches as a child and been in so much pain because of it. Um, and I was always very bloated. I always felt sick wow. um, and I was just very uncomfortable. And we would go to the doctors so regular and we'd be like, something is not right. Something's not right. And they'd be like, you're just growing, you know, don't worry. It will stop soon. But then I ended up in A&E for the second time. And I think they did a blood test on me and they were like, it's come back that you're celiac. And it was just, it was such a relief. I was like, I know something's wrong with me. I know something's been wrong for all these years. And I finally, you know, have something that tells me that. Um, and I was meant to have a biopsy after that to just double check. So they can't diagnose you, I think, unless you've had a biopsy. Yeah. But my doctor, who was going to do it, went to jail for overdosing children. So oh, my gosh. Scandal. Gosh, that's I awful. never had my biopsy because of that. Um, so I was always kind of questioning whether it really was celiac disease because I never had the proof. Mm-hmm. So then when I was 11, they said, eat gluten for a year and see what it does to you and then when I was 12 I had another biopsy and it showed that I was celiac oh my golly how did you feel for that year I know people that have been in a similar awful. yeah tell me what happened I felt in that year. so awful. so I was just bloated constantly I felt so uncomfortable because I don't get sick when I eat gluten I do now mm-hmm. um, but when I was younger I didn't I just got very bloated, very fatigued. Um, And when you're celiac, everyone has different symptoms, which affects them. Some people struggle more, but everyone has the same like internal reaction, but you'll just have a different external reaction. Um, But I really struggled with fatigue and bloating. Yeah. Do you know you've spot on there? And I think it's really important to highlight that, how different people's reactions are. And I think when you learn some of the people in the public eye that have be- realised that they're celiac, I mean, some of the famous ones, there's um, uh, Kenny Logan, who was a, a Scottish rugby player and he was playing at the, you know, the highest level and of course eating lots of pasta and lots of bread for his carb intake, carb loading. Um, and Joe Simpson, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's the guy from, he wrote Touching the Void. He's uh, quite famous. I don't think I have. Yeah, great book to read, but fascinating that people go through such different uh, diagnostic processes to get to where they are. But sounds like to you, you know, you you knew something wasn't right. But the fact that you had to go through a year of eating gluten. So when you got your (laughs) final diagnosis, how did things change for you? Well, it was it was the final point. I was like, I am 150 percent celiac. I've had an operation to prove that I am. Um, and I just cut it out straight away again. So I was like, I do not want to eat gluten. Some of those foods might be yummier, but the way it makes me feel is not worth the pain mm, yeah. that it makes, that, you know, it gives gave to me. Oh, that's brilliant. So what about um, the dairy intolerance? Now, it's quite common for celiacs to be dairy intolerant too. So how did you find out about your dairy intolerance? Um, so it's recently I was still struggling with 
bloating and stomach aches, mm-hmm. which is just so annoying. It's like, why can I just not have normal gut health? Um, <laughs> but um, I was just like, something isn't right again. Um, so I went to the doctors and they were like, you should cut out dairy for three weeks. And I've just carried that on ever since because it's just made me feel better. Mm. I struggle with bloating a lot less. Um, and it just, it just doesn't, I don't have a good reaction to dairy at all, but it's okay because there are so many dairy free products on the market. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, how is life without dairy and gluten? You're 15 and I can imagine, you know, the pandemic aside, you want to be with your friends and you want to be socialising. So what are the challenges for you living both gluten and dairy free? It's definitely quite challenging because I feel like a massive burden going to people's houses. I'm like, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I'm really sorry. Like, can't I actually went to a friend's house the other day and they didn't have any gluten-free or dairy-free food. And her mum had forgotten and we were just about to eat dinner. And then she had to go to the shops. And I was like, so my friend forgot to tell her mum. And I just, it makes me feel really guilty at times. But I'm like, it's my allergy. I have told her, like, it's a serious thing. And some people don't treat it seriously. But I'm like, this is very serious. Like, the celiac is life-threatening for me. So mm-hmm. it's extremely serious. Um so but most of my friends really do like respect it when we go out and like um see each other they'll you know buy me stuff and they'll make sure the restaurants have uh gluten-free and dairy-free food and they're always very caring in that way I have really lovely friends so yeah and you know what in that in that situation you did everything right didn't you just that lack of communication between your friend and her mum so if anybody should feel guilty I hate to put it on your your friend but really (laughs) she should have told her mum and what about eating out how is that for you and I mean are there places locally um you're not based too far from here are you so are there local eateries within this area within the Thames Valley area that you enjoy eating at that do provide great options for you so I find eating out quite challenging um I would say but there are definitely so ZZ's is an amazing option I find they have so many different options they have a full gluten-free menu um and so many dairy-free product uh like items as well mm-hmm. um the giggling squid is also amazing oh, because nice. it's Thai they don't use much dairy it's yeah. all coconut milk and and then they have loads of good gluten-free options as well. That's and good. yeah, so they're probably my two favorite dinner places. And my favorite breakfast place is Fago's. Oh, great, great, great option. I love that. They do have lots of different uh, choices. Yeah, for you, I they? love the avocado and poached eggs on toast. That is my absolute favorite. And the fresh juices there are so good. If um, I was going to ask if there's anybody, you know, in a similar position to you. So they're a teenager and they can't have gluten and they can't have dairy. What advice would you give them? Because it sounds to me like you can be, you know, I mean, you come across as very competent and confident in your way and not everyone would be like that and they might feel a little bit shy of maybe even going out sometimes because they're scared of asking for something different from their friends is there any advice you could give people that could help them I would say so my friends are always like how do you ask the how do you talk the waitresses so much and I've I've been like that ever since I was like four years old ever since I was you know was talking I was talking to just everyone um And I just know it's an important allergy and people have to respect it and listen to it because it is so important. 
And you have to have confidence within yourself when you're asking people and just be polite. Just be like, I'm really sorry. I have an allergy. What options are there for me? They're not going to be angry at you for asking for an allergy option. Just be polite and kind and then people will respect you. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's really important to see, you know, young people speaking up because there are so many more allergies and intolerances these days. And if people don't ask genuinely, the, most of the people in hospitality, they do want to serve. They want to help. So just speaking yeah. up and making it clear can make your eating out experience but a lot more No relaxed. one should ever feel ashamed for having an allergy. Mm. Um and it is sometimes difficult when you're going out with friends and like, say you'll go get sushi or something. I can't eat most sushi. If we were like to go to the waitress sushi counter, I wouldn't be able to eat any of it mm-hmm. because they've all got a trace of gluten or something like that. So things like that, <laughs> uh, I might have to bring something of my own or just buy something else. So sometimes I do feel a bit left out, but then, you know, you just have to move on because you know, there are more important things going on. There are. And it does sound like you've got some wonderful friends that are very supportive. So you don't feel like you're yes. missing out if they've made that extra effort for you. So tell me a little bit about some of your um, favourite or saviour food stuffs. you know, living uh, gluten free and dairy free. You must have found some wonderful things that you do enjoy and really look forward to having. Oh, I have Outpro have yeah. literally saved my life because their almond milk and um, their Greek yogurt, vanilla yogurt and plain yogurt, I use all on a daily basis because they're the most similar products I've found that actually taste similar to dairy, I think. Because I've tried Nush um, and I did not like that at all. No, and Nush is almond-based yogurt, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I milk. Like they that. do milk as well? I haven't tried their milk. I think they do, but I've had their almond milk yogurt mm-hmm. and... I would not buy again. Not for you. And what about um, coconut-based yogurt, coconut milk-based yogurt? Are you oh, okay with that? I love coconut. Like M&S's Plant Kitchen, mm-hmm. they do a really yummy coconut yogurt. It's really thick and creamy, which is really yummy. Mm. Um, but also, I have tried some vegan cheese from... It begins with V, the brand. Uh, oh, I know the one, yes. Vi something. I I, I remember yeah. seeing it. Via Life. Via Life, that's the one, yes, yeah. And you um, like that too? I like it, but I can hands down say nothing replaces normal cheese. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? But, you know, like you say, there are more important things in life and your health has to come Definitely. number one. But it sounds like there are so many options. I know if we, if you and I had been having this conversation even, you know, five years ago, probably 10 years ago, there would have been so far fewer options yeah. than you have available to you today. And the fact that so many brands are coming out with a variety of different things. So you don't just have to have, you know, one dairy free milk. And what about in the gluten-free um, area? What do you tend to find works for you best there? Because there are some great products and then there are some <laughs> a bit yeah. questionable ones too. Definitely some questionable products. So when I was first diagnosed, I remember going to the doctors and getting a loaf of bread each. I can't remember if it was every two weeks or every week or something. And um, because that was actually only bread around. Um, so things have definitely changed a lot since when I was first diagnosed. There are so many more options now. Um I like personally only one bread. It's the M&S, it's like the sliced brown bread, the OT loaf. Yeah. That's the only bread I like because I find every other bread will fall apart in the toaster or the edges will 
burn and be black and the middle of the bread wouldn't have even started toasting yet so i find bread a massive challenge sometimes i'm like it's easier just not to eat bread because mm. i can get carbohydrate my carbohydrate source from another place which will be a lot nicer yeah um yeah. but i find things like um gluten-free pasta exactly the same all things like that that makes no difference um but gluten-free desserts cakes are fine mm. but pastry gluten-free pastry is horrible yeah i do food tech school and my food tech teacher and me are always trying to make what everyone else is making gluten-free and we have had some huge disasters we were making cornish pasties and i had to turn mine into a pie but my pie just fell apart because it was short crust pastry and it was it just did not work at all i hope you don't get marked down for that I hope you get marked up for trying to make everything yeah. everybody else is she, making. she marks me up for my determination of trying to make things allergy friendly yeah it is it it is a tough challenge always trying to make things both gluten and dairy free i think yeah you know, the dairy free generally speaking you can go plant-based and you can be sure that you're not having you know dairy but the gluten-free and dairy-free can be quite a challenge can't it as a pair it is quite hard because it's just like oh if you go to a restaurant it's like i'm gluten-free and dairy-free they're like that might be a problem um it's normally the more independent restaurants which i struggle more with Whereas the chain restaurants, I find, have more options. So that is just like a tip, which is sad because I love supporting independent restaurants. But I always check the menu before any place I go, um, just so I know there is an option, even if it's only one option. Mm. Uh, But sometimes it's like, I'll be like, oh, I'll have a Caesar salad. But I need to take off the breadcrumbs, dressing and cheese. So I'm left with the lettuce, chicken um lettuce and chicken (laughs) (laughs) which i could do better at home (laughs) do you ever have that thought that you know you're out eating and actually it would be much nicer if you were preparing it yourself i do often have that thought i'm like because we just went to france when we were skiing and i had lettuce chicken and tomato salad i think every day on the holiday um so I was like, I could just make something so much nicer at home, but they don't have any gluten-free food. Um, and I obviously can't have any cheese because that's dairy. But I did have like a lot of meat and vegetables in France. Gosh, that's quite limiting, isn't it? Do, I mean, do you travel much? Have you have you traveled knowing that you're gluten and dairy-free with these challenges? It's quite hard in certain countries. Um, I have traveled quite a lot. I find France quite challenging and that is where we normally go quite a lot. Um, but the supermarkets are quite good, actually. Like, I found some amazing yogurts in the French supermarket, which I had seen, like, all the LA girls on Instagram posting about, and I found them in um, the French Alps. So I was so excited. I was like, this is such a random place to find them. I'll take they don't 16. Have them in England. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm clearing the shelf. Um, but in the restaurants, they're not the best. Yeah, I've, I've had the same struggles myself in the past. It's quite difficult, isn't it, trying to explain. I know people famously used to say that if you said you were vegetarian in France, oops, you used to get chicken instead of beef or lamb, uh, <laughs> which is not, not ideal. Um, brilliant. Right, well, let's just take a brief pause and then let's come back and talk a little bit more about your inspiration for what you do right now. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. 
Welcome back to this show, Let's Do Lunch, with me, oops, excuse me, me, Jenny Tishy. Um, I am joined today by Arabella. Um, I'm just going to reach down and grab my notes because I dropped them on the floor. One second. <laughs> right, she's back. Sorry, I have to be careful. I've got a sore back, so I have to be <laughs> very careful the way I bent down there. So Arabella is a, something of a local influencer. She's 15 years old, and during the pandemic, she started her own Instagram account. Um, and she, we've been talking today about um, both Arabella's diagnosis of celiac disease, but also subsequently finding out that she was dairy intolerant, and how this has inspired her to do what she does today. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do do? Like, what is your Instagram account? What's the, um, the theme of it? Because I think it's absolutely brilliant. So my Instagram account is themed around oats, really. It's themed around, uh, so doing overnight oats, porridge, oat cakes, just all different types of oats. Um, and all my posts, apart from the very beginning ones, I recommend new ones scrolls down to there because they were just not the best posts. Um, but I've learned a lot since then. Um, but now I keep it as all porridge bowls with different toppings and colours, so it's a very vibrant feed. I want people to look at it and be like, well, that's so many different colours and different foods. Mm. Um, and like to see that healthy food can be exciting. You can make healthy food, you know, sustain you throughout the day and it can taste delicious and look really pretty. I was going to ask about that. I mean, obviously, oats, we should say, are not suitable for all celiacs, um, but you obviously buy gluten-free oats and use only gluten-free oats and so uh, tell me what you've learned from I mean oats can be a wonderfully sustaining food from a nutritional perspective Um, so what you've learned about the sort of different combinations that work and don't work perhaps I mean are they have they all been successes (laughs) or have you had some uh -uh (laughs) moments I've definitely had some porridge bowls in the microwave like flowing over and then the microwave is just covered in porridge that has happened more than one occasion (laughs) we've all been there (laughs) so Um, what are your favorite combinations my favorite combinations are i love banana and blueberry with manny life or piffa nut peanut butter those two brands are my favorite brands of peanut butter um but then that i put the blueberries in the microwave so they go all and I only use frozen berries because I just find they taste better on porridge because mm. all the juices then come out of them. And then with I do them with a cinnamon and vanilla protein porridge. And Ooh. it is just the dreamiest combo together. Now, that sounds fascinating. Where's the protein coming from? Is it like a, a protein powder that you use? or? Yes, I use um, the My Vegan Protein Powder wow. uh, in the flavour vanilla. And I find that is um, it's just really tasty and it's really nice uh, because otherwise I find the bowl is quite, it's nothing wrong with it. It's quite carbohydrate heavy and it's not got much protein in ratio. So just, you know, to sustain me through the day to make you feel satisfied, obviously good to get the protein in. And, you know, we're doing a lot of running and fitness. Your muscles obviously need to repair a lot. So it's important to get a lot of protein in. It sounds like you sort of learnt a lot through the process of creating this page. I mean, you're yes. obviously busy, aren't you? You've got an active life. Do share with the listeners what you get up to other than creating these wonderful bowls of porridge and oats and overnight oats. What else are you up to? 
Um, I love going to the gym and I run for a club, a local club. So I'm very busy with my fitness. It does take up quite a lot of time. I'm also, I do study a lot as well. So it's trying to balance everything is quite difficult. And then creating like new content um, and then finding time to just make everything perfect with all the content is quite difficult. So how do you fit it all in? I mean, you've got, you know, got your really active hobbies. You're taking your, your study seriously, which is wonderful. Like, do you schedule time? I'm just trying to think about people listening in that might be thinking, gosh, I'd love to do what Arabella's doing. So how do, how do you go about creating that time in your schedule? I love a to-do list. So um, when I'm at school, what I normally do is I'll, if I'm bored in a lesson, that's not good. Or if in form time, we'll <laughs> say form time, because form time you don't have to be concentrating. I'll write down what I have to do that night. Um, and normally I'll come in and I get home at five. And until 5.30, I'll just like make my pre-workout snack, just chill out a bit. Because I know, I'm, I just know that's not a productive time for me. I'm not going to get anything done productive in that time. So I just need to let myself rest. And then I'll usually do some work for a bit. And then at about 6.30, maybe I will go to the gym or I will go to my running club. Um, And then I normally exercise until like eight. And then I will come home and have dinner. And my dinners, I'm very, I make really quick dinners. They normally be like uh, veggies and salmon roasted in one pan or just some tofu, which is, takes seconds to cook. I choose really, I choose healthy meals, but they only take about 10 minutes to cook. This is another Instagram page here in the making, isn't it? <laughs> I normally post my dinners on my story, actually. But I find the reason why I wouldn't post my dinners is because it's always dark, so you don't get the natural lighting coming in. And for me, the lighting makes the post. So if you don't have that natural lighting, then it's just... The, the food just doesn't look as good. Which is why your theme is absolutely genius, because you're taking every single photo in the morning, I'd imagine. Is that correct? Are you yeah. taking the morning? So do you get up early to allow time to put the bowl together and then to take the photo? Well, so I have porridge every day before school, but they aren't my pretty porridge bowls because otherwise it's just too rushed in the mornings I make um so really lovely bowl on Saturday and Sunday and I will post them throughout the week I write the posts on the school bus Um, brilliant (laughs) this is so I use like my time quite wisely so um I'll take like half an hour on the weekend to make the lighting perfect the setup perfect the background make sure I'm happy with the bowl and then I'll post them throughout the week um because I'm on the school bus for about 45 minutes the school coach sorry um so I'm just like I might as well use this time wisely and then in that time I'm connecting with because I find something with Instagram you have to connect with other people and comment on other people's posts if you want them to comment on yours So keeping your relationships with other Instagram creators is really important. So I do that on the bus as well. So the bus is like my Instagram time almost where um, I just get all my um, connections with other content creators. I make sure I am connecting with new people. I'm still commenting on the old people I've connected with, uh, DMing people, having relationships with, you know, other people on Instagram who are food accounts um 
and then checking how my posts are doing. So I do that on the bus. That's quite an exciting time, I'd imagine, for you because you found another hobby. On top of your other active hobbies, you found another hobby that you genuinely enjoy and have a real passion and flair for. It's quite um, unusual, but what a great thing for you at the age you are to have found that. So um, (laughs) that's given me another uh, idea. The question that I really wanted to ask you is where do you get your ideas from for your Instagram content because it's so although they are bowls based around the same theme of oats they are so varied um where do you get all these wonderful ideas from so it will normally be whatever is kind of in the fridge what I can work with but I will uh, also request for special ingredients to go on my porridge bowls uh, in the food order but it will kind of be whatever I fancy. It's a mix of whatever I'm feeling is going to be tasty. Because I never, like, if I'm fancying, like, chocolate porridge with some raspberries and, like, a peanut butter, I'm not going to just have, like, plain porridge with berries. I'll eat what I'm fancying, and then I'll think, what have I seen on Instagram recently, which I can kind of combine the thoughts. I'll use a mix of other people's posts as kind of inspiration of maybe how I'm going to lay that out or if I've seen someone used lighting in a certain way I'll be like oh I really liked that I might try that out Mm -hmm. so it's just like a mix of those two of what I'm fancying and what I've seen on Instagram recently yeah and they do look absolutely wonderful I look at them and I say oh that's a great idea I've not thought about doing that so you've obviously got an eye for what works can I ask which which has been your most favorite po- as in most popular post which is the post that you've had the most comments or likes on it was actually a banana and blueberry porridge um and it got over four thousand five hundred likes which is crazy whoa that is amazing <laughs> it went viral and i don't know why it went viral like two posts before it i was getting 200 likes and then this post got four thousand five hundred which was insane that is really really good but it shows you you're doing something right you're doing something that's resonating with people um and then can I ask I know we've talked a little bit about some of the ingredients that you like that you find your savior ingredients being gluten and dairy free but which ingredients do you find like look the best when you use them in the context of your porridge bowls um which look the best Mm. like a a really smooth peanut butter looks really good um especially when it's like morning sunlight um and berries when you put them in the microwave look really good in a porridge bowl because i don't know they just look more appetizing i think yeah um and then if you slice your banana quite thinly as well i think that makes the bowl look nicer these are great, um, great tips here. Anybody <laughs> listening in? <laughs> uh, what makes the vote? I think those are the, probably the things I would say. And what about brands that you like? I mean, one thing I've noticed that you're absolutely brilliant at, and it's a really important thing to do, um, is to tag brands that you're working with. Um, you know, if you're using their product, you tag them with that, and that's what Instagram's meant for. So which ingredients do you like working with the most? Um, I love working with different brands of peanut butter because peanut butter and oats, they're like my things. I think that's in my bio as well. <laughs> they're made um, to go together, aren't they? Yeah, it's just I love trying out different brands of peanut butter. Like if I go to a farm shop, I will always buy loads of different peanut butters and try them all out. Um, but sadly, some of those brands aren't on Instagram, so I can't tag them sometimes because they're 
very small. Wow, that seems quite but short-sighted. Yeah, they're missing a market there. Mm, strange. But so you like working with different brands of peanut butter because they really vary, don't they? I mean, if you think about yeah. um, anything from a kind of whole earth, which is quite a solid kind of peanut butter, through to your pippa nut, which is though well, much looser, isn't it? Much more oily. But Definitely. looks probably better on Instagram. <laughs> I also find... I'm definitely a bigger fan of the runnier peanut butters taste-wise mm. than the more solid ones. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. We, we definitely have more runny ones in our household as well. Um, and what about other nut butters? Do you enjoy those? Uh, yes, I love almond butter as well. Mm, it's good, isn't it? So who is it that you look up to? Who is it that inspires you? You mentioned on your coach journey to school in the morning, you'll be interacting with other people and building your relationships online. Who do you find that you look at on Instagram and go, they're doing some great stuff? There's someone called Millie G Fit on Instagram and I absolutely love her. She is a huge inspiration to me she's documented her weight gain journey through her eating disorder mm-hmm. and she's just she's breaking diet culture myths and every day or most days she'll set a challenge on her instagram um which is related to eating disorder behaviors and she just she's so real and so if she's having a bad day like mental health wise she'll talk about it And she'll be like, this is what I'm doing to try and pick myself up. And I think it's just so important to have people on Instagram who are real Mm. and, you know, who share their mental health. And because then it just helps you. So she's a massive inspiration to me. I love the fact that she's sharing her own reality her own story but like you are saying, being very real with it so when she sets challenges she sets challenges for the people that follow her to to join in with yeah um an example of one is to be like because an eating disorder behavior I don't know if people would know this is to use a small spoon because it makes you just feel safer like you're going to eat less food almost so it would be like you're not allowed to use any teaspoons today you have to use the normal size food and for some people that's like a huge challenge and it makes them feel really uncomfortable so it's challenges like that she sets and so she's gained 17 kilos just for context Um, and she was extremely underweight um and just very not good her body was kind of failing and then she gained the weight and now she's so healthy. She's a, she works at Gymshark. Um, mm-hmm. She's a huge gym girl and, yeah, she's just amazing. So it sounds to me like the reason that she's so inspiring were multiple reasons, but she's gained the weight in a very healthy way whilst also yeah. exercising and keeping things in balance, but also because she's sharing what she's doing. So to someone like yourself, where you're looking at, you know, looking at uh, Instagram content, she can provide you with a bit of context around, you know, a healthy relationship with food. That's that's fantastic. Anybody else that you find inspiring? Um, I find uh, Dina Asher-Smith very inspiring as well because her injury just before the most recent Olympics, she came back she didn't get to the finals or anything but she you know she qualified she got into the olympics after just having a hamstring injury and i think it was like nine months before and she's just very determined she's like had to come so many over come over so many challenges in her like history of being an athlete and how she's just always pushed through Mm. um and because uh i do athletics as well 
So I find it really inspiring for someone to be at that level. Um, I managed because I had an injury too recently. I think that's why I find her so inspiring. And coming back to the track was quite hard because, like, no one's gonna, everyone's gonna think I've lost all my fitness ability, but no one did. And I was just like looking up to her, like she managed to go to the Olympics after pulling her hamstring. Like, that's huge. Yeah, it is huge, and that's a great inspiration to have someone that's so resilient. I think resilience being the key word there. So tell me a little bit about your biggest learnings since setting up your own Instagram uh, channel I'm, I'm sure there have been many well I have made so many mistakes on my Instagram there has been oh, countless because at the beginning I had no clue what I was doing all I knew is I wanted to post food and fitness content um, but I really didn't have a clue what I was doing or what good lighting is or tagging I think I might have tagged brands, but not that many from the beginning. Um, and I didn't comment on other people's posts. This is a huge thing. You need to be commenting on other people's posts, following other people of what your niche is. So then you can build um, kind of a community with each other. Because I didn't do that for months. And I was like, everyone else's followers seems to be going up. And mine is just not really but you shouldn't fixate on numbers because the numbers will just come over time. But when I started to reach out to other people, that's when it started to take off more. So that's definitely very important if you do start your own Instagram. Um, But originally my, so I remember I used to make workout reels, which I have deleted all of them now because they were just too embarrassing, but they were just time-lapse clips of me just working out. But some of them were like burpees, and it was just like, it was like that because they were time-lapse. It was just like me <laughs> jumping forward. So and then like, you couldn't see what you yeah, were actually it, doing. <laughs> they were awful. And the lighting was just so bad. And they just looked so mishmash put together. And I was like, what was I actually thinking with these? And I deleted them, I think about three months ago. And I was like, no one ever needs to see that video again. <laughs> Do you know what? That's the learning though, isn't it? I mean, you you clearly have had some incredible reactions to some of your posts. And I think, although like you say, you don't want to get fixated on numbers, but you can tell that if something is as popular as, what was it, four and a half thousand likes or, you know, even your 200 like posts, you know, the point is multiple people that you don't know that are not necessarily from your close network are supporting what you're doing. That's where the sort of validation that what you're doing is helpful, useful, liked. Um, But like you say, sometimes you look at something and just go okay it's not to do with the fact that you haven't necessarily got the likes on it even you can tell that that might not be the best representation of me yeah and like for me it's my progress between some of my first bowls where I think it was like blueberry porridge and I just chopped up some strawberries put a blow of yogurt on and some blueberries on top and I'm just like what was that post the lighting was so bad dark and The bowl had like, I think, bits of porridge around it. I was like, this just looks disgusting. Why would anyone follow me if they had seen this? Now I'm like, I have to wipe down like all my bowls on the edge and make sure everything is perfect. And I'm a huge perfectionist with it now. But you just learn, um, you know, as you do Instagram more and more. For me, everyone does say it's about quantity, about posting a lot, which I do agree with. It's about the quality of your posts. Mm-hmm. You have to put out good quality stuff because people aren't going to follow you if you're putting out like half decent things. Um, so it is about, I would say, 
you should try and post at least once a week mm-hmm. um, just to keep your followers engaged. Like I went on holiday last week, so I took a break off Instagram because I just really wanted to enjoy time with my family and friends. But on average, you should kind of post one to two time, times a week, I would say, because that's just going to really help you grow your page. Um, and people will see you on their For You page more and more. So I would say the more you post, the better but make sure it's quality. If it's not quality content, don't post it. It's not worth it. But I love the fact that you've kept some of your earlier posts there because to yes. your point, A, it shows your progress, but also B, it just shows that you're real and that this has been a real journey. And actually in quite a short period of time, might not feel like that to you, but it is relatively, it's quite a short period of time that you've yeah, managed to it's grow so nearly quickly. Been, it's nearly been a year since I started my account. Um, Crazy. I think it's like a year and a week or something. So it's crazy. I never thought in one year I would have over a thousand followers. Yeah, you're doing brilliantly. We'll take a short break here and I'd love to find out um, some of the feedback that you've received from your page so far. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Welcome back to this show, Let's Do Lunch on River Radio. I'm your host, Jenny Tishi, and today I'm joined by Arabella, who's a local influencer and is a celiac and also dairy intolerant and has the most fantastic Instagram page, um, which is all about living both celiac, so gluten-free and dairy-free, but specifically with a theme around oats and porridge oats and overnight oats, the most fantastic and inspiring bowls of food you're going to see. So if you do enjoy your oats go and check it out um actually we should ask arabella can you share the name of your page at this point i will ask you again but just to make sure people can follow you oh sorry yeah it's so uh g for giraffe and then free underscore arabella Cool. So G-Free Arabella. So G-Free Arabella, like gluten-free Arabella, but G-Free Arabella. Right, so we can all go and follow you now, uh, which is good. Now, you've had some fantastic feedback on your page so far. What's been your favourite reaction? My favourite reaction has definitely been Pippa not following me because their following to followers ratio is huge. They, so they have so many more people following them than they follow. And it was such a big achievement. I was like, they are because um they've always liked and commented my posts when i've tagged them i find most brands do do that um just to like kind of thank you for tagging them and marketing for them but brands don't normally follow you um so i was so excited because it meant they kind of wanted to see my content regularly and maybe they were keeping an eye on me and i don't know Hopefully they will send me some products in the future. Yay, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? But that's a really good achievement, isn't it? If the brands that you're using on a regular basis, not only are you on their radar, but when they follow you back, you know that you're you're very much on their radio. They are actually looking at what yeah. you're doing, especially when they have those kind of ratios. And so that's an important uh, sort of uh, understanding, isn't it? As someone that does influence, you want to know that you're on the radar of the brands consistently that you are, uh, or the brands that you're using consistently in your work. Um, and so any, any other reactions that you've had? Um, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan. Anybody else that you've, uh, <laughs> that you've had? Um, Waitrose have commented a few times and they don't usually ever comment on people's posts, I found. So when they have commented, it's been a really big deal because it's like, wow. Which And they normally say who it's from. 
and it used to always be from this guy called Dean. Um, so I used to love hearing from Dean from Waitrose. <laughs> love that. That's brilliant. And what about your friends? You mentioned at the very beginning of this journey, you decided to share with one friend, at least some of the images that you'd originally taken. And that friend thought they were good enough, didn't she, to put them on Instagram. And you've had great success since. So what do your friends think of your success? So my friends will sometimes mock me. They'll be like, oh, are you putting that on your Instagram? Like if we were to go out for lunch, because I usually put lots of stuff on my story. Um, they'll be like, oh, are you going to take a picture of that and post it? Um, and I'll be like, yes, I am. Um, so you kind of, people at school, I know people at school do judge me for it. They're like, why does she have a food Instagram account? That's so random. Um, and I know some people definitely don't support it, but I just, I've kind of developed the view that not everyone is always going to like you or what you're doing. So as long as you like it, that's the important thing. And as long as your close network of friends, the ones who you actually care about, as long as they're supporting you, that's the important thing. And they do. My close network of friends are like, wow, but you're doing so well. Like I was working with a brand the other day um, and they were like, oh my gosh, we're going to use your discount code and buy some products from it. And they're just, they're really supportive and good friends, which is lovely. That's that's brilliant. And you're so, so spot on with that whole, uh, people are, you do you and everyone else can do themselves. But what you're going to do best is is what you love and what you're passionate about. And they may not share that passion or quite frankly, they may be jealous. So we'll just let other people get on with themselves. Um, so listening today, I'm sure there's going to be people that are inspired by what you've achieved so far. And it is quite a short period of time that you've had great success um what advice would you give other people if they wanted to start their own instagram account to share their passion with other people um so the advice i would give would just be just start it make those mistakes in the beginning like i did like those awful posts at the start and then you look back on and you learn oh okay i'm gonna do this slightly differently i'm gonna hashtag this um the explore page because then it will come up on people's pages just learning tricks and trades of instagram but you just have to start it because if you don't start it you'll just regret it and all the time you're thinking about doing it you could be actually doing it and engaging with people um but make sure it's make sure you for example don't do like beauty fitness lifestyle like everything in one choose because then people will be like this is a bit overwhelming. This is a lot of things to be following. You need to choose a niche. Like I chose porridge bowls because I was like so many people have food Instagram accounts. But if I choose porridge bowls, then this can be my niche. Like oats, that's my niche. And I can post the other stuff on my story about like my healthy dinners and like good vegan and gluten-free snacks I found and my exercise I can post that on my story but my actual grid is going to be porridge bowls and it's finding your niche is that is what is going to set you apart because everyone can post their food but your niche is what is personal to you so when you found that that's when I would say you should start your account. 
It's so clear when you go to your Instagram page what you're going to find when you get there. It's so clear what your theme is when you look at it. And I think your point about niche, you can still share other things. You can still put other aspects of your life on a slightly different version, which is stories within Instagram. You've got such a great understanding of this social media channel. I think so many people could learn so much from what you've just said there about keeping it and consistent as well so um are there any top tips i mean i've noticed for example you're brilliant at consistency like i look at your page i know exactly what's going to be there um you're really good at tagging brands if you've used their ingredients in your bowls is there anything else that you could provide people with tips in terms of that kind of consistent look and feel about their content um i would say hashtagging is really important as i said hashtag the explore page then it's going to come up on people's um search page And that's really important for spreading your content. And I would also say a really important thing, as I have said before, is to connect with other creators in what your Instagram account is about. So say if you're doing it for fashion, connect with other small fashion influencers or food, connect with other small food influencers, connect with people within your kind of target uh, or like what you're doing Mm. because then together you can collab i did i've done some collaborations with um people uh who are food influencers on instagram and then it's like their followers will come onto your page your followers will go onto their page so then it's a win-win situation for both of you so you just build those relationships with people i say is a really important thing to do yeah that's great and so i have to ask you what I mean this is obviously a huge passion of yours it's going great what would you like to do with it what is what is the future for for this channel this part Mm. of what you do within your life I would love so I really want to study nutrition and dietetics at university Um, I really want to become a nutritionist and help people so I would just love the Instagram account just to you know come along the way and just like for the porridge bowls always to be there. Um, I don't think it will be a full-time job, probably not, because at the end of the day, you know, I love my account, but it is just porridge bowls. Um, they are very pretty porridge bowls, if I do say so myself, but they are just porridge bowls. So I'm, I know I'm not going to make enough money to, like, support myself financially off, but I might get brand deals with food companies and things like that. So it might like a nice little side hustle, I would say, is my future goal for the account. Especially if the way in which you want to take your sort of academic studies. I mean, this is a great buddy, isn't it? A great companion to have alongside Definitely. your academic studies. I mean, not many people get that opportunity to have two things that are so aligned. So look, let's share with everyone. Um, so your social media handles, it's the Instagram account, isn't it, that we've, we've talked about already. Do you want to share that once mm-hmm. more so people have absolutely got that so they can follow so you that straight away? Is- G free underscore Arabella. Brilliant. I'm going to share and that. And as soon as you go onto it, you'll just see loads of porridge bowls. Yeah, you'll be inspired and hungry. <laughs> I'll make sure I share that when I share um, the link to this podcast. So we have got to the, the last stretch now, Arabella. And I think you're doing brilliantly, especially given you have got COVID. Um, you look brilliant on it. But let's find <laughs> out if you were to have one last meal, your last meal on earth. We call it the death row meal <laughs> for obvious reasons. What would it be? So I think some people would be like, why are you choosing this? But I would say 
a really, really fresh, like, salmon salad with a white cabbage, like, avocado, salmon, lemon, orange, like, fresh cucumber, tomato, citrusy, and then with a side of sweet potato fries. I just love fresh food. And before I was dough-free, I would have grilled halloumi on the side as well. But, you know, we have to adapt. Um, But that would definitely be like a fresh summer salad. Every single one of those flavours you just mentioned, I can almost taste them. This show's called Let's Do Lunch and it happens just before lunchtime. And I swear, every time I go home after doing this, I'm like, right, I'm inspired. So yeah, I've got a proper kind of dressing, like a citrus dressing taste now. Um, So who's your favourite chef? I think my favourite chef is Nigella because I just love all the healthy recipes she creates. Mm -hmm. And where would you like to eat that you've not eaten yet? Um, I would love to eat at Nobu because I've eaten at some amazing sushi restaurants, but I've never eaten at Nobu, so I would love to go there. Wow, that sounds wonderful. And how about if you were to have a fantasy dinner party and you were to invite four characters, four people or characters, who would you invite and why? Um, I would invite Jack Whitehall because he's absolutely <laughs> <Great>. hilarious. <laughs> he is. I agree with you. He's so funny um any tv show he's in i just die with laughter i think i would also invite my grandpa um because he sadly died and i would just love for like to talk to him again um i would love to invite dina asher smith as well and just like to talk to her in person i think that would be absolutely amazing and i think the last person I would invite would be maybe Emma Watson because I love her uh, attitude to feminism. Yeah, what a great combination. And, you know, split genders, we've got that. <laughs> it's a, yeah. a great combination. Uh, Arabella, you've been absolutely wonderful to talk to you today. I have learned loads. I'm sure lots of people listening in have learned loads. I think your story is fascinating and how um, inspiring you've moved from, you know, being diagnosed at the age of eight and firmly diagnosed at the age of 11 with celiac disease and then obviously discovering that you are dairy intolerant and rather than seeing that as a constraint um, which I know it is but you've taken the challenge the ball by the horns and you've actually created the most wonderful channel Instagram channel um, which people definitely should follow not just because you've got your great consistency with regards to your oat bowls and your porridge overnight oats etc but also because you share other things on your story ideas meal ideas snack ideas and what you're doing um so you've absolutely wonderful person to talk to and extremely inspiring and I don't think just for people of your age I think for people of all ages including me so thank you very much you've been a pleasure to be in your company today um everyone that's listening in thank you and those that are listening afterwards thank you too you can access access this podcast via any of the normal means so um apple spotify google wherever you get your podcasts and of course I'll be sharing the links to this um via all of my social media and obviously tagging you Arabella in too. 
Um, I want to thank you, everybody, for your time. Um, people, if you are listening and do enjoy this show, Let's Do Lunch on River Radio, please do leave a review. Five-star reviews are always very much welcome. And uh, I'm just going to say uh, goodbye to Arabella and goodbye to you guys. And thank you very much. Take care, everyone. Have a good weekend. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley Reading. Reading. Okay, Ta-da! the voice, River Radio. Of the
Windsor, Ascot, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading, 